Greetings. Thank you for joining me today. Wow, what an exciting week. I'm going to be honest with you. During this last week, we've had at least a half a dozen stories that all point to the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And today we want to explore some of those. As well, we want to do some teaching because you see, that's the thing that gives us the, the secure ground to stand on as we watch what's taking place. And so today we're looking at God's plan is right on schedule. With all the news taking place, you can rest assured that none of this is catching God by surprise. Remember last week we, we were doing teaching on the fact that the, the Bible mentions the rapture. It's an event. We saw that it takes place at the end of the church age. For those that know Christ, the Bible describes, it talks about how that there a shout will be given, the sound of a trumpet, and those that are Christians will go up to meet the Lord in the air, will be united with Him and with those who have already died in Christ. And yet there are people who say, well, it's not going to occur then. It may occur sometime, or some people say it never occurs. So today we want to talk about the idea of the difference between the rapture of the church, the catching out of the church at the end of the church age and before the tribulation, and another event called the revealing of Christ or the revelation of Jesus Christ. It takes place at the end of the tribulation at the Battle of Armageddon. Two distinct events. One, Christ comes for the church, one, Christ comes with the church. You see, it's important for us to understand that God has a plan, and that plan includes these things. And the reason I say that is because there's so much confusion today. Maybe that's why the book of Revelation is not studied in many churches. It's because people don't make the distinction between these two important events. Well, let's take a little chart that will help us. For example, in terms of the rapture, when Christ comes for the church, and the revelation when he comes back, here are some distinctions that will help you to separate the two. In terms of the calling out the rapture, it takes place in the air. The Bible says it will meet him in the air. But the revealing of Christ, the revelation, it takes place when Christ will come all the way back to the earth and put his feet back on the Mount of Olives. The other comparison, the rapture, it removes believers to heaven to be with the Lord. But this one, we come back from heaven with the Lord to judge the, the world. Believers will disappear. Every eye is going to see us when we come back at the revelation. You see the difference? One, it could take place at any time. This one is preceded by signs, the signs of the tribulation, the build-up toward Armageddon. And then this one is what I think is interesting because when the rapture occurs, we've been studying in many of our lessons how that it opens up the way for this Antichrist. But when Christ comes back with the church to put his feet on the Mount of Olives. It dooms the Antichrist. He comes back to defeat the Antichrist. This one, he says there's comfort. There's comfort for the believer knowing that he's going to come. But this one is for judgment. You see, there's, there's a huge difference between these two events. This brings the church age to the end. This one begins the kingdom age. And so you see again that contrast. This one is always in connection with the church. This one is always in connection with Israel and the nations. And then this one, it says creation is untouched. This one, creation is going to be renewed. So there's going to be some science differences and nature differences. Wow. Believers will be judged for the rewards because we go to be with Jesus in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. And here on the earth, nations are judged for rebellion. I want to go back now because I want to show you that chart. You see, this is the, that rapture event that we've been talking about. This is the revelation event. Some people say that, that the rapture never occurs. It's, 
they confuse this too and they think that they're one event. No, the Bible is clear. You saw the distinctions. They're separate events. They're separated by the seven years of tribulation. And so rest assured that God has a plan and we're right on schedule for that plan. But speaking of the plan, I want us to look today at five areas of concern pointing to the last days. I mentioned to you at the start of our program that some great events have been taking place. Great events, here's why. Because we're seeing the world in such turmoil and chaos, but in every case is exactly what the world said would take place as we wait for this tribulation period of time. Remember, as believers, we know that we're going to escape this. It's the wrath of God poured out on the earth. It's poured out for judgment on the earth who refuse to receive Christ. And so we have the hope that Christ is coming prior to that tribulation beginning based on Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 6. Now what are these areas that we saw take place this week that show us we're living in the last days? Well, one of these areas is the area of oil. I think it's fair to say we have an oil crisis. And maybe you could say we have an oil crisis because we're seeing that while there's plenty of oil on planet Earth, there's a hesitancy to, to get that oil delivered in, a, I'm going to say in, a, in an economic way. Matter of fact, one of the things that's very interesting to me is that all the headlines concerning oil. I have with me today probably eight or nine or ten articles, all of them relating to end-time events in oil. But here's one that I think is worth us looking at. Look at this. This is the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And, and this was decided some time ago by our Congress and by our government that we would have so many barrels put in it for an emergency situation, whether it's weather or a war. And so we stayed up around the 750 million barrel mark. It's always been said that when you get to the 350 million barrel mark that we're in desperate shape. Do you realize that what took place recently, because of how we decided not to to drill our own oil, we decided that we're going to start buying it from our enemies at an inflated price, and then the price went up so much that it wasn't politically good for, for the parties. And so what they, they, they decided, okay, let's begin to sell off the reserves. We're now at that point of 350 million barrels. Matter of fact, that's why artificially the price has gone down. Many people are saying that probably after the election, that price is probably going to have to go back up because unless we begin to drill our own oil, then we're real in trouble for a winter for a war. I think it's really interesting because you see, in other words, they can manipulate the price. Well, they could sure manipulate the price if we decided that we would begin to drill our own oil or to use the pipelines that are available from friendly countries instead we're we're buying it for an inflated price, even from our enemies. And by the way, speaking of buying it from our enemies, look at this headline. China's growing purchase of Russian oil carries a hidden risk. There are several risks involved. But one of the biggest ones is this. They're buying oil at a very cheap price. They're also looking for a way to bypass the sanctions that the United States has put on Russia. And so some of these articles that I have are quite interesting because it says, is China re-exporting Russian gas to, to Europe? Or it says this, that has Russia succeeded in pulling Iran away from the West? And the answer is yes. They've, they've made secret deals. Matter of fact, the sanctions that we put on Iran that were hurting them so bad, when they're removed, they will get $200 billion 
They will now have a, an open door to sell their oil. It, it's going to be a game changer in terms of the Middle East power struggle. But I'm also interested in another article I found, and it's this, that China and Russia are working together, and among the things they want to do is they want to begin to control the oil prices and to control the oil market. How will they do that? Well, here's an important idea. Please keep this in mind because you see, one of the things that we've been studying is how that it will be an economic collapse worldwide. I believe that oil will be one of the ways that they will use that. Because you see, right now, oil is traded in US dollars. For the first time ever, China and Russia are now trading oil in rubles and yen. They're, they're not gonna use the dollar. As a result, other countries saying, okay, we're gonna have to buy our oil from Russia and from, from uh, China. And as a result, we don't need the US dollar. And when they dump the dollar, guess what? The value of the dollar goes down. It'll be one great way to crash the overall economy of the United States. I believe that there are people who would like to see the economy of the United States crashed because then they could begin a new world order. They could begin uh, a one world economic system. All these things are coming into play. Let me tell you this. We're watching this take place and what took place this week in terms of the oil uh, friends aligning together, China, Russia, Iran, all aligned together, all against America, all against Israel, all against the idea of having free market to regulate the price of oil. My friend, I believe this is what the Bible said, that in the last days these nations would come together for the destruction of the good of Israel and others in the free world. Here's another story that I think is worth reporting on. And that's the idea of inflation. You know, we've watched inflation come in a variety of ways. And it's interesting because even in our own country, we're talking about the fact that the higher interest rates, we've watched stock markets go down by about 20%. And I don't know that we're there at the end of the, the rope yet. Inflation is hitting everybody. Some countries have record inflation, inflation like they've never seen before. Here's an article that I have just came out in the last two days. Argentina going to hike interest rates to 75% because inflation nears 100%. It's in Burma. It's in the United Kingdom. It's in Europe. It's in the United States. It's in Canada. Worldwide, we're watching inflation now begin to control the economy of the world. What will it do? Well, it's a great way, again, for us to say we need a one-world economy. My friend, do you understand that Revelation 18 talks about the fact there will be an economic crisis, that all the economies of the world will collapse at one time? This is exactly what the Bible said would be for the end time. My friend, I think we're living in the end time. I think we're living in a time just before the tribulation. It's a time when Christ could come for believers at any time. It's a comfort to us, but it's a warning to those who have never received Christ. Here's another story that took place this week. And I'm excited about this one because look at this headline. Red heifer update. Five red heifers flown to Israel from Texas. Matter of fact, a friend of mine reminded me just even today that for over 20 years we've been talking about the, the cremated ashes of a red heifer that Israel says they need to begin worship against animal sacrifices again. And many of them at the Temple Institute think that once they begin this cremated uh, ashes and purify the priesthood and can begin sacrifice, it will welcome the Messiah. Well, what a headline took place this week because you see, 
They've been looking for the perfect animal, a red animal, no more than, than two white hairs. And so here's some cattle that have been flown in from Texas to Israel. I want you to see that news-breaking event just recorded this week. For anybody who's just arriving now, we are anxiously awaiting to see our red heifers that we have just flown over. They boarded a plane last night uh, in New York, I believe. They came all the way from Texas, at least some of them. I'll have more details as we, as we go along. It's been very hush-hush, very secretive because First of all, um, we don't like to raise hopes and then have them dash. They were supposed to arrive even a month ago. And then because the temperature was too high in the United States at the day of the flight, they couldn't board the flight. The, we interrupt the rabbi because the, the red heifers are, are arriving right now. Wow, these look like the finest red heifers from around the world. For those not familiar with the song, it's all about the Holy Temple. Well, I told you that we would be uh, looking at this incredible event. And frankly, I have been waiting over 20 years for this. Now, remember this. I'm excited about this because the Bible says that in the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to stop the sacrifice. If he's going to stop the sacrifice in the middle of the tribulation, it's got to begin. And there's been no sacrifice since 70 AD. But we're watching the excitement build for having uh, sacrifices being made. And this is the first step. Well, we're going to keep you posted on that, but I want to also refer to our B-Tip episode number 22. You'll find a link that you can go right to it. And it's based on Numbers 19. And we go through a systematic teaching of both the Old Testament and the New Testament on the significance of the ashes of the red heifer and its sacrifice and what it means to Israel and what it should mean to us in terms of looking for the Lord to come. I want to add one more thing to this, because you see another thing that is pretty exciting. The same week that the red heifers were brought into Israel, here's a report on the fact that they now have a new high-speed train that takes you right from the Bengarian airport right to the temple uh, area, to the, to the wall for the, for the third temple. And they talk about this, that they're ready now to bring people from 70 nations to the wall to temple worship. Zechariah chapter 14 talks about this very idea that people from around the world would come to, to praise the Lord and to worship there at that temple area. Remember, we've also talked about the fact that Israel is the hour hand, Jerusalem is the minute hand, and the temple mount is the second hand. My friend, when you see all this excitement about the temple mount, and about sacrifices, again, we have to say this. We know that the tribulation could begin at any time. The only thing it's waiting for is for us who are believers to be removed in the rapture of the church. Again, I like to say, are, are you ready? Because these events show how close we are to the coming of Christ. Well, here's yet one more 
event. This is the, the fourth headline that I've chosen for this week, and it's the idea of the New World Order. What a statement, because we watched Mr. Schwab, and he talked already about the, how the pandemic, it represents a rare but narrow window for an, of an opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. And as you know, he has really been big on this new world order and on resetting things. And, and so we're watching this take place. And of course, uh, an important event this week was the passing of, of the queen. And now no longer Prince Charles, but we have King Charles. And King Charles, well, he's one of the people who've organized the original Great Reset. And, and again, the World Economic Forum, King Charles III, all of them saying, okay, we're at an opportunity. We have an opportunity when we can get together. We can start this whole process again. My friend, do you understand? This is exactly what the Bible said. When Christ comes back in the revelation, showing himself to be powerful, he comes back, puts his feet on the earth to, to fight the Antichrist and to fight this new world order, a united world, united under the Antichrist. That's the problem. It's going to be united under the Antichrist. Look at this headline. We see China and Russia again. And the headline, this is in the middle of September. They want to create a new world order. I mean, this is their goal. They talk about it openly. They talk about global governance, architecture, and world order all come together, a joint statement. You see, they're pushing this forward. Here's my point. The oil crisis brings us to a place where the new world order looks very logical and economically it makes sense. Inflation, it's forcing the United States into a, a bad situation economically. And the whole world says, hey, we need to have a restart. We need an economic system that's a worldwide system that's more stable than just country by country. We're watching the fact that, that Israel is excited because now they have uh, red heifers that perhaps could allow them to begin to sacrifice again. All these are tribulation events. You see, the tribulation doesn't begin until Christ brings the Christians home in the rapture of the church. At the end of this tribulation time, Christ comes back to judge the world. My friend, God's plan is right on schedule. But there's another current event that I want to call to your attention, and it's this intimidation factor. This past week, I began to think about what a sign it was. We've watched one headline just in the last month or so of Donald Trump's Lago home searched by the FBI. Can you believe that a president's home was searched by the FBI? I'm going to call it an invasion because it really was. And if that occurs with the ex-president, what's going to happen to, to ordinary citizens? I want to invite you to, to look at the short clip of an ordinary citizen and to see the intimidation factor and to see how this fits in to what the Bible said will take place in the end time. Lisa Gallagher, as we told you a moment ago, is one of the many Trump supporters who woke up to an FBI raid earlier this month, and we are grateful that she's willing to join us to tell us about it. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. So I, I just want to be clear that you have not committed a crime of any kind. I don't think you've ever been accused of a crime. You weren't even at the Capitol on January 6th. I don't think you're even in Washington. Tell us how you felt when Joe Biden's FBI showed up with guns at your home the morning after his speech. I was terrified, and I'll be honest with you, when my daughter woke me up telling me there were three armed FBI officers at my door, I thought she was joking. And I immediately tried to throw clothes on. I called my husband. I was crying. My knees were shaking. And even though I knew I'd done nothing wrong, after seeing Joe Biden's speech the night before, 
I thought, oh, my God, this is political. And I was frightened. I truly thought they can take me out of here in handcuffs. And I thought yes. I'm in my bedroom. I thought, am I not coming home? So I went outside and I said, gentlemen, you're scaring me. And they proceeded to tell me that they were given an anonymous tip that I was at the Capitol on January 6th. Even though, of course, as we said, they knew you weren't because they had facial recognition software and there's no evidence and it's almost two years ago. Do you know who this anonymous tip, this snitch who turned you into federal law enforcement for supporting Trump on Facebook might be? No, I know nothing. And I invited them into my home so I could look at my phone and my calendar. And I have subsequently called the FBI office in Newark to just document or know for sure that it really was FBI agents at my home. And it was. And they said it was an anonymous tip, but they won't tell me anything else. Yeah, because there are not enough law enforcement concerns right now with 107,000 Americans dying of fentanyl uh, last year. Well, that's a political situation. I really think that we're going to begin to see intimidation and persecution because of political beliefs. But I'm also equally and even more concerned about the fact that, that uh, Tucker Carlson talked to uh, various pastors around the country that have been persecuted. John MacArthur, a well-known uh, fundamental preacher in California, he was intimidated trying to get him to close his church. He mentions the First Amendment. We have religious freedom. But isn't it amazing that conservative people Christian people are, are being attacked and intimidated because we don't fit the mold of this new world order. You see, we're going to be counter to everything that the Antichrist is trying to do, what the world is trying to do. And Christ has a plan, and that plan is for us to go home to be with the Lord Jesus. Another one that took place just this week, again, a conservative man, a Christian man, Mike Lindell. And he was returning from a hunting trip. And they actually seized his phone when he was parked at a, a fast food restaurant. Here's the documentation. You can go and, and see the reports. My friend, this is going to begin to occur more and more regularly. But again, I look at the Bible. And in the Bible, we have three chapters that talk about tribulation events. Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13 all describe the tribulation events. And in the tribulation, it's interesting because in Luke 21, it says... That, and you should be betrayed, the, the betrayal of people, the, the snitching on people. It's going to take place. Why? Because the Antichrist says, unless you have my mark, unless you're one of my followers, you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't trade. We're watching that come to pass. Or in Mark chapter 13, it says, brother will betray brother. Again, the, the betrayal aspect, even putting some to death for it. And in Matthew 24, they will deliver you up to be afflicted. You'll be killed. You'll be hated. You'll be betrayed. You see, this is the, the procedure that will take place in the tribulation period of time. My friend, we're watching that take place. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. This reminds me of the treatment that happened to the early church. Do you remember the book of Acts records the actions of the early Christians? And it's interesting because in Acts chapter 4, what a, a chapter it is, but it, it mentions the fact that they begin to preach Christ they were preaching resurrection. They were preaching the plan of God, the plan of salvation. And so in Acts chapter 4, they threatened them. And they said, we don't want you to speak any more about Jesus. Does that sound familiar? Uh, isn't it amazing that you can say almost anything you want to in terms of hate speech? We, we just watched a clip of the, of the little demon. And I can't believe 
that I would get in trouble for criticizing something that had such foul language. But it made fun of the rapture. It made fun of, of hell. It made fun of the, uh, of the whole idea of an antichrist. When we talk about Jesus, we get in trouble, but they can talk about every foul thing they want to, using even the F-bomb over 20 times in a five-minute segment. That's okay, but not to talk about Jesus, to talk about resurrection, to talk about rapture. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it said this, Behold their threatenings. They, they, they threaten them. They intimidate them. And what is interesting to me is that the Bible says this, that when the Christians prayed, they prayed for boldness and not for protection. What a pattern that is for us. You see, Stephen took his pattern of, of how Jesus died, and he prayed for those that persecuted him. And these, these early believers, they prayed for boldness, not for protection. That's my prayer for, for the church today. That's my prayer for Christians today. Not that God would just protect us. We'd have boldness because, you see, we need to be telling the world that Christ is coming, that there's salvation in him. We need to let the world know that God will judge homosexuality. God will judge this, this gender confusion. God is going to judge these things that are so ungodly with an upside-down, mixed-up world. The Bible also says this, that they decided that they would be faithful and continue to preach the Word of God to the world. And then, in Acts chapter 4, at the end of the chapter, I like what it says. I'm going to read that verse to you because here's what it says. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You know what? The church grew even under persecution. Matter of fact, around the world, the church grows when persecution comes because it's real people, real believers that are now in the eye of people. And they say, wow, I, I want that kind of confidence. I want the hope, the comfort that they have. I really think that God will even use this time to win people to Christ. So when we go back to the book of Acts, here's a, an interesting summary. By the time you get to chapter 5, one chapter later, they say this, we ought to obey God and not man. You know what? I thank God for these pastors that are taking such a stand. I thank God for the people that are taking such a stand, saying we have a constitution, we have a Bible. Acts chapter 9. Here's Paul. He was converted from Saul, became Paul. And you know what? The persecution was so great that the story tells how they let him down in a basket outside the wall. Now, I like to say this, that, that Paul was a basket case. What do they normally put in a basket? Well, they normally put garbage. In other words, to escape, Paul had to, to get in the garbage basket, be lowered over the wall. That's how desperate the persecution came on the early church. Or in Acts chapter 10, Paul and Silas, they were beaten and they were put in prison. Not just one time, but again, we'll find it later. Acts chapter 12, James and Peter were put in prison. P James was killed. Peter escaped. You see, the, the record of the early church, persecution, why? They were faithful to God. And listen, God will bless them and reward them. In Acts chapter 16, a, a famous story, Paul and Silas are beaten, put in prison, and an earthquake comes and frees them, and they don't run. Instead, they stay there, and they win the jailer and his family to Christ. And you know what? There are many other stories from the book of Acts. But there's also modern stories. Uh, the voice of the martyrs. Hundreds of people, dozens of people around the world are being faithful right now during this time of persecution. Well, what can we do? I think there will be persecution. I think the Lord's coming soon, but I think between now and when the Lord comes, we might see persecution come. So what can we do? 
Number one, I'd say this, let's be faithful. Let's be faithful to, to continue the same message that there's hope and salvation in Christ. Let's be waiting. You see, waiting, we've learned from our previous lessons, it's not doing nothing. But waiting means that, that we're busy doing the Lord's work. We're busy working for the kingdom of God. We're busy instructing our own family and our own friends and trying to encourage others who might be looking for what is taking place as the pattern of God's word. We're to be watching. Remember Ezekiel 33, watchmen on the wall. Our job is to warn when we see these things coming. That's why this is such an important idea for us to give you current events, how they relate to Bible prophecy every week, and then to be witnessing. I want, I want to see people come to know Christ as their personal Savior. You know, you could know all the future events, but if you never received them, then you're not ready for Christ. So we need to be witnessing. And then I think the other thing, this is a great time for us to love the Lord and to love one another. You see, Jesus died for us on the cross. He bore our sins. He paid them all. He paid for every one of our sins. His blood paid 100% of my salvation and of your salvation. There's nothing left for you to do but to accept him. And so if Jesus died for us, let's live for him, even though we live in a day and a time when we're seeing the world in such chaos. The chaos points to exactly what the Bible said would be in the last days. My friend, are you ready? We've looked at the plan of God. It's right on schedule. The comparison between the rapture coming for the church that could take place at any moment and coming back with Christ at the end of the tribulation to destroy the Antichrist, to set up his kingdom. My friend, the plan of God is in motion. The plan of God is in motion. The tribulation and the events building up to it, such as the sacrifice in the temple that will be stopped by an Antichrist, these things are making headlines. The, the Russian army bringing hordes with it against Israel, these things are taking place. The collapse of the world economy, a new a new government, a single world government, all under the rule of the Antichrist. My friend, we're watching these headlines take place exactly as the Bible said. A book written 2,000 years ago is alive today. These headlines came from this week. My question is this, are you ready? Has there ever been a time that you acknowledge to God, I'm a sinner. My sin has separated me, a sinful person, from a holy God. But then to also admit this, that when Christ died, he died on the cross, he shed his blood, he was buried, he rose again so that our sins could be put away. He had no sin. He died for my sins. His blood, his death, his resurrection paid my debt. And then, my friend, accept Christ. Accept him today. Confess your sin. Accept the finished work of Christ. Accept Christ. Receive him as your personal Savior today. My friend, then you are ready. For Christ to come. You will be ready. In the meantime, let's live for Him. Intimidation may come. More headlines may come. But guess what? We'll be safe in the plan that God has. Thank you again for joining us this week. So many events are taking place. I'm excited that we'll be able to continue these things and we'll do so until the Lord comes. Father, we come to you. We thank you that we have God's word. We have God's plan. And Father, we look at these events such as the red heifers being delivered to Israel. What an exciting time. We look at these events with, with the enemies of Israel, exactly who the Bible said would be against them, coming against them. Father, we know we're living in the last days, but we pray that we'll be faithful to you. We'll be witnessing for you. We'll be loving you and one another. But Father, I also pray that today some will accept Christ 
as her very own Savior. We pray this and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.